0: update! So to tomorrow my- Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. How are all of God's blessed and highly favored people doing today? We are in the second half of our year. How's it going so far for you? I trust that you are doing all that you can to be all that you can. So, of course, you know. Sometimes I come in, and I always have a story to tell. Right? I always have a. T- I always have a testimony. That's what it is. It's a testimony. I'm count every every tale that I tell you. All my encounters, they're all testimonies. Because remember, God can use everything for our good. Right? As long as it's working for what He wants in His glory. Right? For those who are called and walk according to his purpose, right? So here we are. I get in my cab because you guys know I take a cab to the studio every Sunday. And I get in my cab like I usually do. And as soon as I get in, you know, I say good morning. And the driver says good morning. And I tell him who I am because, you know, they want to make sure that they're picking up the right passenger. So then he says, as he's driving to the corner, he says, "Are you on your way to work?" So I was like, "Yeah, I am." Cuz normally I'd be like, "No, I'm not." I said, "Yeah, I'm going, I'm on my way to work." So he's like, "Yeah, it's it's tough to work on a Sunday, but, you know, some of us we just have to do it." And I said, "Yeah, I used to I used to feel like that." I said, "Some Sunday mornings I get up and I feel like, "Oh, I wish I could stay in the bed." I said, "But then when I think about what I'm going to do, I'm excited." So he says, "Well, what is it that you do?" I said, "I'm on the radio." He says, you're on the radio? I said, yeah, I'm on my way to the studio right now, about to do my show. So he says, live radio, like you could hear you on the I said, yeah, it's on the internet. You could listen to me if you hear me, you know, if you tune into the station. So he's like, he this is what he says. He says, Oh, so I'm driving a celebrity this morning? So when he said that to me, I was like, oh no, I'm not a celebrity. I'm not a celebrity. I just do, I just do. You hear what I you heard my words? I just do, you know, I do a Christian radio show on Radio Free Brooklyn every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. I said, I take the scripture and I put it into real life application so that you can understand how God is always working in our lives every day. So I said, you know what? No, I'm not a celebrity yet, but maybe I will be one day. See, even with the maybe I will be one day. Are you careful? Are you hearing the words that I'm using, right? So we got into our conversation and we're just talking about everything with the pandemic and such. But when I left from him, he said he wanted to download the app. He was going to tune in. He asked, could he call in? So Hussein, if you're listening now, hi, how are you? Great ride I had with you this morning. I'm going to give the phone number later, but I want to finish telling this story because most of the time, We don't pay attention to what we are doing for the kingdom. And God brought to my remembrance, as soon as I got out the cab, he brought to my remembrance Zechariah 4.10. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. And that's the New Living Translation. And you know, we just went through the minor prophets. This was coming right from Zachariah, and he brought it right to my mind. Don't despise the days of small beginnings. And it's not like I was despising it. When, when the word despising it, sometimes we look at it as like, ugh, as something, you know, like, ugh, I'm doing that. But in my instance, and maybe in yours as well, we feel like what we're doing isn't making an impact, or we feel like what we're doing, it's, well, is anybody really benefiting from what is being done? And what he was telling me in this or what I was gathering for myself in this is whatever circumstance that you find yourself in, whatever kingdom assignment that you find that God has given to you, do it and know that God is watching you. He's watching every little move that you make and the end, he will reward you when it's all done. Excuse me. He will reward you when it's all done. I'm getting all choked up. So you got to be patient and don't lose hope. You just have to wait on God. And I remember my mother used to always tell me, because I would, always, when I had a, when I wanted to have a pity party or I wanted to have a, a venting session, I would always go to her and be like, I don't understand why, blah, 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 whatever it was. And at that time, I wasn't doing what I'm doing now. I was doing things in the kingdom, but it was little things, but it was things that I was doing that might frustrate me, and I couldn't understand why certain things was happening in my life. And her words to me was always, don't worry, God is going to bless you. She used to say that to me over and over again. Don't worry, God's going to bless you. And then this morning, listening to that man say what he said, Oh, I'm driving a celebrity. And I never look at myself as being like that. I don't look at myself as being like anything. I just look at myself as I'm doing what I was called to do. And I'm finally walking in that because we all know that story. We're not going back there. But it, it just I wanted to let I wanted to let anyone that's listening know that if you look at yourself today, right? Look at yourself at where you are right now. In light of where you were last year, two years ago, five years ago, sometimes some people yesterday, a week ago, Monday. I mean, just think about it. Hopefully if you've been walking this journey that we've started from the beginning, that you can see some type of spiritual or emotional growth within yourself. And it's not to say that anybody else has to see it in you, but you should be able to see a maturity level evolving within you. If you've been doing the small steps that God had given you to do. And if that's true, then you know your future is going to be brighter because you're continuing to take this journey, you're continuing to follow what God has told you, and you're continuing to do all that he's told you to do. So I just wanted to add that in there, and I thought it to be very significant, especially about, especially because what we're going to talk about today. Because today, well, before I get on to that, I want to say, anyone who hasn't listened to the show, you can go to Radio Free Brooklyn, go to my page, What Would K Say? You'll find my shows in the archives. If you have Spotify, if you have Apple, any podcast platform that you have, you can find it on there, What Would K Say? The telephone number to the studio is 718-673-8201. That's 718 Seven three, eight two zero one, And today I wanted to take the time to recap everything that we discussed over the past three months, because if you think about it, we went through all the minor profits that was over a three month period. I had other shows, you know, put in between doing them because it wasn't continuous. It wasn't consecutive that we did the minor profits. So we had Easter in there, we had Mother's Day, so I did those appropriate shows. But when you think about it, when I looked back, it was over a three-month span that we had been talking about the Minor Prophets. And I wanted to recap the journey that God had given us, the glimpse into what he was feeling towards Israel and Judah, the Israelites and what he intended to do about it. So today's topic is, his love will never leave us. So let me begin by stating that God is love, God is patient, and God is caring towards his people. He thinks of us as the apple of his eye. That comes from Zechariah 2.8. He takes pleasure in us. That's Psalm 147.11. He loves you and sings over you. Zephaniah 3.17. So for all those reasons that I gave you, and there's a ton more that I could have gone through, I could just do a whole show of just how much God loves us. With all those reasons, he continually tried to get the people of Israel and Judah to follow his direction and obey his commands. By showing the people, by showing the Jewish people how they had sinned against him, it was a way for that he could get their attention to show them just how serious the matter really was. Think about it. How are we, or how do you respond when you're confronted with your sins today? And I'm not saying that somebody comes out and calls you out, oh, you're a sinner. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if somebody says, you know, you really shouldn't have answered her that way. Or, you know, you really could have done X, Y, Z. You really could have held the door for that person. Something, you know, just whatever. Do we really acknowledge, do we really acknowledge that truth of what's being put before us? or do we try to justify it so that it makes whatever we were doing a little easier or makes us feel better about it like when you think about with the israelites when they were when they came when they were released from captivity after the persians took over the babylonians and the king let the israelites go back to their homeland because you know When the Babylonians took them, they took them and pulled them out of their their homeland. But the Persian king let them go back. And when they went back, you still had some that were there that, you know, they had just made their lives to whatever it was after being in captivity. And then you had people going back who had had children, because it was generations, remember, who had children who had never seen the Northern Kingdom or the Southern Kingdom they don't they knew nothing of it; they only heard stories about it, but they had never actually stepped foot on that land. so when they came back, you had the people that were already there looking at these new people coming back that wanted to start rebuilding the temple, and that's where we get in with Zechariah with the small beginnings. Because other people were like, oh, why are you even bothering with that? It's never going to be like the temple that Solomon had originally that they destroyed. So why are you even bothering to try to do it again? When God was saying, pay attention to what I need you to do for me. When you're confronted with your sin. And not even if somebody has to say something to you. Sometimes God will bring it to your attention. But when he brings it to your attention, do you kind of like push it over lightly? Like, oh, well, it's not gonna, it's not that big of a deal. Just as when they were, oh, the temple's never gonna be as good as. So why bother? Do you do that? So when the Lord was first reaching out to his people concerning their sins against him, he started out with Hosea. And the reason why I go back to Hosea. Because his story to me is so unique. God actually told him to go take a harlot as a wife. Now, can you imagine if God told you to go marry a prostitute or a gigolo or women who, you know, marry men in that profession? And he wanted the prophet to take the harlot. Because he wanted the prophet to be able to give the words to the Jewish people. You see, this is what you're doing to God. You see what my wife does to me? You see what's going on with my children? How I'm constantly running after her to bring her back home because I love her and care for her and her children need her? That's the same message that God was giving to his people at that time. I'm constantly running after you while you're running after other lovers, other gods, other things to satisfy you when you know that everything that you need is right here in me. I thought that was so powerful that God would use that analogy for his people. But when you think about it, through all the minor prophets that we went through, The message was always the same. The day of the Lord is coming. The day of the Lord is at hand. And you can't say that each time that when God reached out to the people, you can't say that he did not give them warning. But if you read through the stories, you'll see that the warnings got stronger and stronger and stronger each time that he spoke to them. So that means it was just compounding. It was like, okay, I spoke to you before and here you are still doing it again and adding other things. So now I'm going to add other things. And then, then they went and added other things. So he added other things. It was just one big snowball. And in Malachi, which was the last book of all the prophets in the Old Testament, he told the Jewish people that his love for them was about to extend to the other nations, the Gentiles, and that through the Gentiles, his name would be made great. So he was already warning them. I told you, you were my people. I love you to death, but you still keep disobeying me. So you know what? I'm going to extend myself to the other nations. And they will appreciate me, even if you don't appreciate me. So what I gathered from reading all the books that we went through, when I look at the Israelites, I look at the Israelites of the Old Testament like the Church of the New, right? The Church is the New Testament. They needed to get themselves together just like we need to get ourselves together together the people of Israel and Judah they were split because of what had happened with Solomon you know we went through that story they were one nation but then when Solomon died they split into two nations and they never came back together they always regarded ah we're the people in the north ah we're the people in the south we're the northern kingdom we're the southern kingdom right so, even though they were worshipping the same God, they were doing things like, "Oh, well, we do it like this," or we do it like that," or we have this better, or we are better with this," or we have this better, or God blesses us better with this," and we have that and doesn't that sound like the denominations that we have going on here today? We're all worshipping the same God allegedly. we're all professing Jesus Christ to be our Saviour allegedly, but yet oh. Uh, We don't take communion on third Sunday. We take communion on first Sunday. Oh, we don't sing. We don't sing songs of praise in the first half of the show. We only do it in the second half of the program. Oh, the pastor's only allowed to speak for this amount of time when we need to speak for that amount of time. Oh, nobody's allowed to give testimony. Oh, no, we have testimony all day long. People, we're supposed to be together as one. And I'm not saying ritualistically, which is what we're doing in our churches, that we should all be at the same time doing everything at the same time. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we need to be all on one accord when it comes to the mindset of the kingdom. Are we all expressing the message the way we're supposed to be expressing the message? And now I say that because... When you think about it, isn't that why Christ came in the beginning? He came, yes, to reconcile us back to the Father because we all know the sin that Adam committed broke us away from the Father. So there was a, say, like a wall. God just couldn't see us because of sin, he could, he can't partake in anything that has to do with sin. That's when it came to the Jewish people having to do the sacrifices and atone, and the priest had to be the one to go in, and only certain people could touch certain things or do certain things. But God had already made a provision to end all that, and as He was trying to get the Jewish people to get back in line, He knew what he had to do in order to get them back in line. But he was trying to get them to even just a little bit follow of what he wanted them to do. But he had a plan and he put it into motion. And his plan was just as simple. I need you to come back to me. So in order for you to come back to me, I'm going to come down and get you. It was just that simple, right? I need you to come back to me. But no matter what I give you or tell you to do to come back to me, you're not following. You're not following. You're not, you're not following the directions that I'm giving you. So in order for me to get you to come back to me, I'm going to go get you. It's almost like a little baby. Like when you let a toddler out, they, they're just starting to walk. And they go and they wander. And you're like, come back over here. You know, don't go too far. And as soon as they see you saying, come back over, what do they do? They head off in the, next, in the same direction, top speed, opposite of where you told them to go. It was almost like as if, if I hadn't said anything, they probably would have come back on their own. But because I opened my mouth and said, come, they were like, I'm doing the exact opposite of what you just said. That's the way we act. If God tells us to do something or gives us something that we should be doing or we know we should be doing it, we're doing the exact opposite. So God was like, okay, I need you to come back. The only way I'm going to get you to come back is if I come down here and get you myself. And that's why he had to have a perfect sacrifice to come and get us. So God came down and got us. The only perfect sacrifice could have been himself. There was none perfect. There was none better than him. Who's better than God? No one. So he sent his son to come down to be that perfect sacrifice for our sins to bring us back to the Father. Jesus' sacrifice was to atone for all of the sins of men. And see, that's where when God was telling the Jewish people in Malachi, I'm going to the Gentiles, because he knew, talking through the prophets, the prophets were talking to the Jewish people. So his message was only going to the Jewish people. But when he sent his son, he knew when he sent his son that he would be walking everywhere on earth. So that meant he would encounter Various people. And that's how, when he went to the cross, he didn't just come down to go to the cross for the Jewish people. He came down to go to the cross for all of God's creation. That's what God was trying to tell the Jewish people, how he was going to make his name great among the Gentiles. So because Jesus came down, atoned for our sins. That's why today sin is removed from us. Sin is removed from us in the respect that, yeah, we still sin, but when it comes to God looking at us, Christ is there saying, mm, you can't really punish them because I already took that burden for them. Right? Whereas we know in the Old Testament, he would have got their enemies to, to do him in because they weren't following. Oh, you're not following what I said? Well, I'm going to get your enemies to take you into captivity. Today, God doesn't do that because we have Christ standing there. Today, what God will do or can do is he'll just remove his hand. And he's like, okay, you don't want anything to do with me? Okay. I'm just going to let you be. I'm just going to let you be. And sometimes when you waited to, when God just lets you be, like when you make your choices and he's like, "Mm, I'm just going to let you be. And when you finally get enough, then you'll come back. Sometimes we're like, well, God, why didn't you just, why didn't you just make me or why didn't you just? No, he's not going to. He's giving you choice. You have a choice to do whatever it is you want to do. And whatever consequences come from that, you're either going to go back to him or you're going to stay out there where you are. Because in the Old Testament, when you think about it, obedience came in the Old Testament, right? Follow the law, follow the law, follow the law. But obedience looks like belief in the New Testament. If you just trust and believe that Christ is who he is and that he came to do what he said to do that's obedience so you trust god that he is who he says he is and he will do was he what he said he's going to do and you trust that christ is in that spot as well because christ told you in john 4 in john 14:7 to 11 If you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Right. But like the Jews in the Old Testament, we have a hard time believing what God says. We have a hard time even believing when he's pulled us out of stuff in the past. We have a hard time believing that. Yeah. It's true. God is who he is. And why is that? Why is it that we have such a hard time believing that God is who he is and that he will do what he told us to do? When we come back from our music break, we're going to look into that. We're going to see why is it just so hard for us to just believe. You've been listening to What Would K Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn, what Brooklyn sounds like.
1: Almost lost my way and never looked back I've never been that far off the track Didn't think that I could find my way back Wasn't sure if I even wanted to this was more than just a moment in faith. It wasn't just a little phase in the way. I could've closed my eyes to never see you again. Again. Hey, so many things that didn't make sense. All it took was one thought for things to transcend. Far beyond what I expected. For answers in other places None of that could ever make me content I was living life lying inside.
2: I'm entangled, so entangled Caught up in my mind From my head to my ankles Yeah I'm just living Not too high, not too low Caught up in this whole oh, 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 Sanctified But I cry all night All night Yeah Conversations In my feelings Really When I'm sleeping at night I'm hoping I can hear you Wanting to be near you. I'm hoping for some guidance. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah.
2: Oh no. Can you tell me how there any miracles left in heaven? Heaven? Anything? Self-inflicted wounds, trying to be exonerated. Hey, 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 hey. I'm just living. I keep digging all these holes for my goals and where do they go? Ooh, I Sanctified, but I die all night, all night. Oh. Wake up in the morning and I'm fighting for my joy. Is it ever coming? No. When I'm sleeping at night, I'm hoping I can hear you, wanting to be near you. Oh. I'm hoping because I'm healing oh. Oh. Can you tell me how the any miracles happen?
3: Your hands open. You just gotta keep your heart open. Teach me how to receive every blessing, every blessing, teach me how to receive every blessing. Give me the wisdom to understand how things work together for my good and your plan. Oh, for grace to believe that I will receive every blessing. Teach me how to receive every blessing. I want to receive every blessing. Me, dog, right now, right here, blessing, every blessing. blessing. Give me the patience oh, to abide in your will. Oh, anxious for nothing, your living word will fulfill. all oh, for grace to believe that I will.
0: Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. You've been listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn, and I'm your host, Kay Edwards. For our musical selections today, we had, of course, Making Changes by Grace, and we had Way Home by Grace Tena. We had Rush On It by Jay Moss, And then we had Every Blessing Live by Brian Courtney Wilson. So now it's time for the part of the show that I call Op-Ed. And in Op-Ed, I'm going to continue with the question that I asked you guys before we went into our musical break. Why do you think it's that we don't trust and believe what God has told us? And I'm going to tell you what I believe it to be. I believe That the reason why we don't believe that he will do what he says he's going to do or that sometimes we just think it's not going to happen in the timely manner that we want it to, it's because of the human nature. It's because of our human nature getting in the way. It's our eyes. It's our flesh. It's our pride, right? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. 1 John 2.16. So when we think about it, this is what God was always trying to shield us from. He was trying to keep us from the lust that we would have, seeing, being around, experiencing. That's what he was trying to shield us from from the beginning. When we see the things in the world, And we think that the things that are in the world are better than what's promised to us in our future. It makes us think, eh, I don't even know if it's gonna happen if I do this or if I keep doing this, or I've been doing this, and I don't see any results. And what why is all this? John 14, 1 and 6, Jesus told us, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so. Would I have told you? I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. This is what Jesus was telling them when he was leaving after he came back and was with his disciples. But then Thomas turns and asks him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Okay, this is somebody that's been with him, right? And this is us. This is us all the time. No matter what God tells us, we would be like, "Mm, how do I know it's really going to happen? How do I know it's really going to come to be? Jesus told him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he also told them, these things that I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. John 16, 33. So when you think about it, we all still have that part of us where we're still always doubting. Even when we're doing something When we don't see an immediate result, because see, the world will, everything with the world is instant instant, instant, instant gratification, instant answer, instant everything. You get a credit card, you get instant, whether you got $10,000 or instantly, no, you're not going to get this card. Everything is instant. There's no waiting for anything anymore. But it's good to know that Jesus gave us the reassurance that with all these things going on in the world that seem to bombard us daily we can overcome them because he overcame them also. So when we think about it, God loves us just as he loved the Jewish people. He warned them that if they didn't amend their ways that they would suffer from his wrath. And today the message is still the same. It's just given to us a little differently instead of going through the prophets, we go through Christ, right? We don't have to go to a priest to give him a pigeon for telling a lie that we didn't have any more salt in our house when the neighbor came to borrow it. We don't have to go give a pigeon to the priest to be exonerated for that lie. We just have to try not to lie and just tell the neighbor you don't want to give it a salt. See, it's I think a lot of times we make our sins magnified because when someone comes to you and they say, oh, do you have $10 or, oh, can I borrow? Instead of you saying, oh, I don't have it, knowing you got a $1,000 in your bag right now. You could just say, you know what? I really don't have that money for you today. But we don't want to do that because we think we're going to hurt people's feelings, right? And it might hurt their feelings if we say it that way. But you know what? It would be the truth. I do have money, but my money wasn't allotted to lend out any today. That's the truth. If you have money to pay a bill and someone's asking you for money, well, I really don't have the money to lend to you because I need to take care of this bill. Now, if it was extra money that I had that I wanted to do something personally for myself, like go get a Starbucks coffee, that's different. Now, am I going to deny myself in order to give you what it is that you want? depends. What is it that you want? It may be something that you need to get home. You may need to borrow that $10 because you can't, you don't have any money to get home. You could have lost your wallet. It could be anything. So am I going to forego that frappuccino, mochiato or whatever it is that they drink? I don't even know what it is. I'm just throwing names together. Am I going to forego that and give you the money because you might really need it? See, it's those little things it's those little things that we have to think about. And it's those little things that with us being selfish, like, no, this is my money. I want to get whatever I want. That's what God is talking about, how we interact with one another. And going back to what I was saying about the church, until the church starts dealing with each other on that level, that we're all the same and not, oh no, I'm a Baptist. Oh no, I'm a Pentecostal. Oh no, I'm Greek Orthodox. Oh no, I'm Presbyterian. Oh no, we don't do. Until we stop with the I'm, I'm, I'm instead of saying kingdom minded, we're all here for God. We're all here for Christ. We all have been given the command to go out into the world and spread the gospel. But how am I going to spread the gospel to you if I don't even want to talk to the one that's, oh, She's Presbyterian. They take communion on the third Sunday. I don't talk to. How can I tell you? How can I tell you about a God that's loving and how he wants to show you a better way in life? If I don't want to talk to the one that takes communion on third Sunday because I take communion on first Sunday. Right. Or when someone comes into the church. And this is probably I probably need to visit a church. When someone comes into a church and we're looking at them like, ooh, why she wear that dress? Or ooh, why he coming in looking like that? The church is supposed to be a place where people could come to get their lives together. So in the beginning, yes, they may come in looking shabby. Think about when you first got in there. When you first went in, you weren't all dolled up. You might have been dolled up on the outside, but that inside of you was ratchet think about it. You weren't all who you were today. And I'm saying that because I know I wasn't all who I am today. And to me, I still have a long way to go. There's still me that I got tucked away in a closet that I'm like, Jesus, you better keep that padlock on there. Cause if you let that sister out <clears throat> and when you realize, and see, that's the whole thing about even with the gospel, when you realize where your shortcomings are, then you know what you can work on. But when you keep brushing over them like, oh, that ain't me, or, oh, I don't do, or, oh, I never did, or you forget what you did used to do, and, oh, I don't. And I'm not saying you're supposed to dwell and live in whatever you used to be in all the time. No, but you need to acknowledge it sometime to other people because if they were what, if they now are what you were, you can't now treat them like, oh, I don't I can't be bothered with you. Why not? That was you. That was you a year ago. So, you can't be bothered bothered with the you that was right in front of you a year ago? Come on now, people. That's what he's talking about. When we all get together and we're all kingdom minded and we're all there to help one another, that's when I believe Jesus is going to come back. Not when the last person on earth hears the word of the gospel. No, because the last person on earth could hear the word of the gospel and the church still be in disarray. So, he's going to come, he wants to come back to a church that he could come back to. How could he come back to us if we still backbiting and talking about and he ain't got this and she ain't got that and they living like this and they should be doing that. And it's a lot. And like I said, everything I'm saying is not just to you. It's to me as well, because I know sometimes I have to check myself. I look at people sideways like, really? Just from the things that they do. But then I have to remember. Everybody has their own walk everybody's going to learn in their own time. Everybody's going to come to Christ in their time. Cause like for the longest, I had a problem with knowing that a murderer, people who were committing all these murders and mass shootings and this, that, do you know they could still get on their knees and profess to be a sinner and accept Christ as their personal savior and still make it into heaven. And that used to bother me. I used to be like, he killed all those people and he still skates in. But you got to understand, God doesn't look at it as a skating in. He looks at it as all of us have sinned. Just because I didn't kill a thousand people, that doesn't mean that I didn't sin. Everybody's sin is different. It's only man that puts the emphasis of which sin is worse than the other. Yes, murder, of course, is bad. God doesn't like murder either. But he has a place in there for them. He tells you in the, in the scriptures who's not going to make it. But if you accept his son, see, that's a difference because that's repentance. When your heart is changed, when you see the error of your ways, and that's what we have to remember, we can't judge a person's heart. Only God can judge a person's heart. So who's to say when we look at them that their heart hasn't changed? We just keep looking at what they did. And I'm not talking about the mass murderers. I'm talking about just the everyday people that we deal with. We keep looking at what it is they did. They did this. They did this. They did this. But what is God seeing in them? What is God seeing? So for me, when I try to deal with situations like that, when I'm like, mm, it's a rough road because he's still dealing with me with, with a lot of stuff when it comes to that. You know, we like to hold on to things where we should be letting them go. My solution sometimes is I can forgive you, I can let it go. But I just don't want you in my personal space right now. And that's where he's dealing with me. With When it's time for them to be in my personal space, maybe he'll allow them back in. But for right now, as long as I don't mistreat you and I wish you all the best, then sometimes that's the best I could do at that moment. And that's the truth. And when you can admit that, then at least you know there's growth. Sometimes there's just, that's just the best I could do. I can't do any better than that. Well, I mean, what, what can I say? Sometimes I just can't. Sometimes I just need to let you be. And there's nothing wrong with that. Look, my time is growing short. The word of the month is apathy, lack of interest, enthusiasm, or concern. And today I think we have two promises for the week. The first promise is coming from John 14.1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me and i my favorite that he gave me this morning Zechariah 4:10 do not despise these small beginnings for the lord rejoices to see the work begin right everyone have a blessed sunday continue to work on yourself continue to <laughs> pray for me that i work on myself which i am doing all the time but i I wish you all the best this Sunday. Have a wonderful day. And until God brings us together again next week, peace.
3: Him the
2: Listen, has anybody ever felt like the only reason you still here is by the grace of God? Come on i about times I thought I make it. Times I should have been. Times I should have been dead and gone God, so I'm different. but I'm still here. But I'm still here, here. All because of I'm a living witness. I'm a living witness. Yeah. Miracles still fall from uh, heaven cause to- he-